Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod, here to review MSU's 82-61 win over the Michigan Wolverines. Before we begin, a quick word of thanks to listeners who support the show. Joseph Lambert gave a one-time gift via Venmo. Thanks a lot, Joseph. Also, Ken Kremet gave us a one-time gift via PayPal as well. We appreciate both you guys and all of you who support us on a recurring basis too at Patreon and Substack. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to our support page at tffinots.com support. And while you're there, you can add... Uh, find links to all our sponsors for their services, Coach Garland's book, a free variety pack from LMNT uh, Electrolyte Additive, and Podbean links to start your own podcast. You can also access our logo apparel shop, which will only be open for a few more days. It closes on February 5th at 8 p.m. So if you want to own your own sweet TFF iNots logo apparel that looks and feels great, click on the link at the support page and you can order today. All right, Rod, let's discuss the game. It was a game of milestones as Tom Izzo got his 700th win and had his 69th birthday. A.J. Hogard got his 1,000th point. And Jane Aikens had a career night, 23 points with seven threes. MSU looked very pedestrian in the first half. And aside from Jaden Aikens and Trey Holloman, didn't show a whole lot. Uh, I thought defensively, I didn't feel like they were bad, but they sort of played 20 to 25 seconds of great defense. And then Michigan just hit shots and they hit a lot, whether they were contested or not. They ended up the end of the half, I think, shooting 69%, but only had a 35-33 lead over MSU heading to half, thanks to a very late flurry from Michigan State. The second half was a different story, with Jade Aikens coming out on fire, both ends of the court, and number of defensive stops and steals leading to quick baskets put Michigan State up by double digits, really in the blink of an eye. And then it was pretty much lights out from that point. Michigan shot miserably at just 25% to and kept the game close-ish, basically living off the foul line late in the game. Uh, so a win that looks easy, but it felt a little uneasy at half. Although I guess I wasn't super worried because it, I just felt there's no way this team can sustain the way they're shooting. Well, I, I, I will say this. Um, we talked about in the preview that for a team that's having a bad year, there's one thing Michigan does pretty well and that's shoot the basketball. And I felt that Michigan State defensively in the first half did very, very little to make Michigan feel uncomfortable. And that's what you have to do against a team that shoots well. You have, and what do I mean Mm -hmm. by uncomfortable? I mean, all the things that you saw Michigan State do so well in the second half, they did not really do in the first, which means um, shot windows, are shorter or non-existent. Um, You're pushing guys 
off the spots they want to get to. So somebody like uh, Kamwa, for example, um, in the first half, when he was on the floor, I didn't think Michigan State did a great job. I thought he was able to play within the rhythm that he wants to play, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he hurt Michigan State because of that. In the second half, that didn't happen. Uh, so that was part of it. And then, of course, Michigan hit some shots. They had no business hitting. Terrace Reed hits his first three of the year. <laughs> uh, I thought yeah. I thought Trey Jackson had a couple of baskets in the first half around the rim that were absolute prayers that went. But you know what? That's the kind of stuff that happens when you're not doing a good enough job defensively and you let a good team, or even sometimes a bad shooting team, but especially a good shooting team, you let them establish a rhythm and start feeling good about themselves and and comfortable, well, then all of a sudden, even some of the bad shots they take are going to go. It just, it just right. tends to flow that way. And that was my problem with the first half, primarily, was that. Um, defensive rebounding was a massive issue the whole game, and we'll, we'll get to that. But um, really, mm-hmm. the game, Michigan State, other than maybe the first, I don't know, six or seven minutes, and I want to say it was during that stretch, MSU ended this game with only six turnovers. I believe four of them happened in the first six or seven minutes. So they were pretty right, yeah. much pristine from that point on. Uh, but other than the first six or seven minutes of the game, I thought Michigan State actually played pretty well offensively. Um, you know, they were over, I believe they were over 50% from the floor in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see it. Um, yeah, they, well, they were right at 50% in the first half and 50% from three. Um, but the things changed in that second half and they changed. I think, yes, you could talk about Jaden Akins getting hot. Malik Hall had, I thought a very good second half being aggressive around the, uh, around the blocks. Um, I thought AJ Hogard was outstanding, really took control of the game. Michigan state ran. They did a lot of things well, but to me that game turned mostly because Michigan state played defense in the second half the way they needed to, which is you don't give guys comfortable looks. You bump them off the spots that they're comfortable with and make them take shots under duress, a step or two further away from the basket than they want to be, all of that stuff. And on top of all that, you get aggressive enforcing turnovers, which Michigan had 13 turnovers in this game, 11 of them were steals. Nine of those came from the four guards. (laughs) So Michigan State in the second half really got after it in that aspect of the game, which we had talked about as something we thought they might be able to do. So Mm -hmm. I just felt, you know, the, the thing that was most irritating to me about it in the first half was, look, we know, and if, if, if you and I can talk about it and say, Hey, Michigan is essentially a point guardless team <laughs> at this point. Yeah. And and their secondary ball handlers aren't all that good either. Then how can you let them be that comfortable running their offense? You know, and Michigan State did. Yeah. And in the second half, that stuff stopped cold. And and MSU really ratcheted. And it wasn't like they were pressing. It wasn't even like they were fully up into Michigan. Actually, I think they did less than I, I. I wanted to see more of that. 
You know, when, when Jaden Llewellyn or Amari mm-hmm. Burnett is handling the ball, trying to initiate offense, to me, hey, Trey Holloman, get up into him. You know, and obviously he's following the game plan. Michigan State, for whatever reason, opted not to do that. But they were still, they they were much more aggressive, I felt, in the second half. And that was really the ball game. Because it shouldn't surprise anybody that Michigan State had an incredible offensive game. And it was, by any measure, a phenomenal offensive performance. Why do I say that? Well, we know Michigan State's a very good <laughs> offensive team anyway, despite what some fans might think, you know, they, they, right. they are, they're a top. Well, let's call them a good offensive team. They've, they've solidified sure. yeah, themselves yeah. as a top 40, even a top 30 offense. But Michigan is such a horrendous defensive team that you put those two elements together and it should make for a really efficient, really good offensive performance, unless you're just having one of those nights where nothing is going. And that clearly was not the case for Michigan State. They Mostly in the form of Jade Nakins, you mentioned a career night, 7 of 10 from 3. Uh, he had 7 of the 9 makes from 3, I believe. Trey had one and Xavier Booker had the other. And then the rest of it was all yep. Jade. He was just dialed in. Um, and once that was happening, yeah, I mean, th- th- there was no hope for Michigan. And... <laughs> and Pretty much the majority of the second half was played with a double-digit lead for Michigan State. You know, they, as you said, they got out. They yeah. erased that two-point halftime deficit very quickly and not only took the lead but really pushed it out. I mean, they went on an incredible run early in the second half. And so I would say from about, what, the 14-minute mark, something like that, this essentially was game over, it, yeah. you know? Yeah, it certainly felt yeah, that way. They, they just, yeah. Michigan could kind of, you know, they the lead would get out to 15, and then it would be played between 10 and 15 for a while. And then toward the end of the game, MSU pushed it out closer to 20, and, you know, it ended up, what, 18? Um, 19, That's yeah, about right. right. Yeah. That's about right in terms of the, the margin of difference between these two teams, I, I felt. But again, that was largely because Michigan State decided to show up and actually guard somebody in the second half. And that didn't happen well enough in the first. And so, you know, you have a teaching point, certainly, which by this time of the year, I'm sure Tom Izzo doesn't feel like he really needs any more. But he got one in the first half. Second half shows you what they can be on that end. Again, other than the rebounding, which continues to be just absolutely confounding. I mean, they yeah. every single way you can do it. There, there's sometimes where it's not a sufficient effort. There's times where guys have it just go. There was one Jackson Kohler had. I I didn't understand why off his yeah, face. I, I just didn't. <laughs> I didn't understand it. Then there's you know plays where they tap the ball out. Um, you know, it was just a variety of things that had long rebounds. The guards don't chase down. Izzo talked about that. Uh, in his um, pregame press conference, the need for Michigan State's guards to have something we've talked about all year. They've got to be better. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that is still of concern. But really, that's the big negative coming out of this. Most everything else other than the first half defense and maybe free throw shooting, I guess, although it had marginal impact, um, was a real positive. Michigan State shot the ball. 
They move the ball extremely well. Um, I, I, they're again the second half defense was outstanding. They actually did offensive rebound okay. They had I think a thirty three percent offensive rebounding rate, which is okay. Correct, but yeah. uh, Michigan's forty eight. Right, that's the problem. There was still a big <laughs> big edge, it's but crazy. you know, you look at the difference. Michigan had in second chance points, they had a 13 to nine edge. Okay. So they had an edge there. Not much. Right. Yeah. Not a lot. Points off turnovers. Michigan had 10, Michigan State at 20. So, it, yeah. you know, as we, as we like to do, because I think it makes a lot of sense, we talk about turnovers and, and rebounding kind of in conjunction because they're both things that they're the elements of the two elements of the game that can give you an edge in terms of the number of scoring opportunities you have. And so it makes sense to talk about them in conjunction. If you do talk about them that way, even with the terrible defensive rebounding job Michigan State did, they were still a plus six in terms of points related to all that activity. The one thing that was really, I mean, was pretty crazy, I think, in the game was just the foul calls in this game. Uh, uh, Michigan ends up shooting 26 free throws. They were 12-22 in the second half. In the first half, both teams were pretty much the same. I think Michigan was, what, 2-4? I think Michigan State was 2-5. Yeah. So, I mean, both were not very good at the free throw line. Michigan State has three free throws in the second half. Michigan had 22. Uh, I felt like as far as attacking the rim, not really much difference no, between I the two agree. teams. I, agree. I, I don't. And uh, and I think there was contact. Both, I It was... I. There were, I mean, there were plenty. I wouldn't say there weren't fouls because there were clearly fouls, but I felt like there were fouls both ways. Yeah. I just, it was very strange. I, I don't quite understand and, how that how and, that happened. And this is something that <laughs> you know has been. I think some fans have noticed, and I think, I think there's something to it, and I'm not sure what the explanation is. But uh, Michigan State's guards are not getting rewarded for contact at the rim the way yeah. the way it seems some other teams are. And that was very clearly evident in that second half. Um, you know, and if the, uh, and I think the explanation you'll hear is what, what, of, what allows you to make contact but not get called for a foul is staying vertical. So if the big man goes up, but he's in the space he occupied and he's going straight up, he's not leaning into the shooter then that's considered to be good guarding position and you're not committing a foul even if there's contact between the shooter and the defender, you know? But yeah. if <laughs> if there I, I I see a lot of foul calls on Michigan State in this game, certainly, and in some others, it's not constant, but in some others as well, where it sure looks to me like the Michigan State player maintained his principal verticality, went straight up. Yeah. And he still gets called for it. So I'm not sure what the explanation is that, I mean, you saw uh, Izzo really working the officials about several of those calls or non-calls. And I think he was asking for exactly the same thing that you just said, which is, hey, if it's if it's going to be called at that end, you got to call it here because the plays are exactly the same. The contact is exactly the same. The position of the defender is exactly the same, you know, Um didn't yeah. matter, obviously, <laughs> and and Michigan certainly. One one thing you would say, if I were a Michigan fan, I would be looking at just a dreadful free throw performances. There aren't a lot of times that they come into Breslin and 
they they get that many more attempts at the line that Michigan State did. You know, that that's not typically no. supposed to happen. So you finally get that kind of game and whatever they shot, they were uh, pretty miserable. Um, yeah, I mean, 54% well, in the second yeah, half, 12 for 22. 14-26, 54%. That's just, that's just not going to cut it. So uh, they definitely <laughs> left, you know, if you even had, it wouldn't have made a difference uh, ultimately in the final score here because, or in, in the win-loss, I should say, would have made a difference right, in the yeah. final score, even if they, let's say they hit 20 of 26. So a good but not incredible performance. Six more points, you're talking about a 12-point game. The argument you could make, of course, is that um, if you pick those up, it might change the nature of the game as a whole. You know, you never know. Yeah, but, maybe a little. But uh, I would be disappointed in that were I a Michigan fan. Thankfully, I'm not. Uh, and, um, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I I am particularly <laughs> mystified by A.J. Hogard not getting more whistles i don't hits, understand it so much i do not I, understand yeah, I it. it i don't know if he's kind of getting i don't know if it's that he's kind of getting a guard version of shack treatment where they look at him and they, well he's big he's strong and they and they don't think that a foul is a foul anymore because of that i don't know i don't yeah. know but i think you know he's I've, I've pointed this out on the spartan mag board Last time I checked, and I think it was, I think it was bef- just before this game. I think it was after the Wisconsin game, or it may have been just before that. I'm not sure. At any rate, sometime yeah. very recently, he was averaging a full 1.5 fewer free throw attempts per game than he did last season. That might mm-hmm. not sound like much, but that's a massive drop. And he wasn't getting yeah. enough free throw attempts last year. In my opinion, he was at like right. 4.6, yeah. which, you know, you look at some of these guards around the league and you do have guys who were up around, you know, six, seven free throw attempts per game. And I look at the way they play the game and I said, well, they're not any more aggressive than AJ is. Why is AJ not totally getting those agree. calls? Not sure the answer. I'd be curious if, you know, it would be great if somebody in among the beat writers asked as though that question. As to what he thinks the issue is, <laughs> I, and I'm serious because, you know, Izzo may outside of the the heat of the moment in in the games, he may have an honest take where he feels like there's something AJ isn't doing well enough to sell it. I don't know, but I don't think that's the case. But I'm just I'm speculating. Maybe there maybe there is something that that they see that you know the the rest of us would not but on the surface of it it kind of defies ex- easy explanation i would agree with that it be yeah and i i mean i think it's, you can make an argument early in the season he was not going to the hole enough right but that is not the case anymore and he's i mean there are many, multiple times he's ending up on the on the deck yeah. cuz he's taking contact it's so <laughs> I mean, they definitely Michigan State teaches you to to finish through contact. They practice yeah. that, right? I mean, I, probably every team does to some extent. And I, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't understand because you look at the numbers. Michigan State had 48 points in the paint. Yep. Michigan with 12 or 18 or something like that. Now, part of that is because every time they're going to the paint, they got a right. foul call. I do think there are times too when the referees wait to see what happens with the, the with the shot. Oh like, yeah. If it doesn't go. 
there's that little bit late yeah, whistle. It's the, it's the uh, worst. But it's like it's sort of like if it's a really egregious, they'll, they'll give you an opportunity for an and one. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I just the two things <laughs> the two things I cannot stand are that and the other side of it where they anticipate contact and call a foul when yes, there is right. Any. There was a play like that yeah. tonight. Um, I think it took place in the first half. And I can't remember who the Michigan player was that had the ball, but somebody from Michigan State was behind him, and Trey Holloman kind of slid between him and the basket. It was on the baseline. Trey Holloman was there, clearly there. I mean, it wasn't a bang-bang play. He was there, and he was straight up. He didn't jump, didn't leave his feet. He was there, and they called a foul. It was not a foul. And the guy called it before the contact was made. I watched it happen. <laughs> like, you can't yeah. do that, you know? And and it happens. It happens a lot, these anticipatory foul calls where they, they see a play unfolding and they just have the, the instinct that contact's going to happen, and then it doesn't. But anyway, uh, it, it certainly, yeah, whatever. as frustrating as it is, at least in this game, it really didn't impact things very much. No, I agree. Uh, the other notable things you miss you say is fast breaks, seventeen to four edge on yeah. Michigan in the second half. Yeah. I mean that really was the the story in the second That's half. That's where I give I give AJ a lot of credit because I thought he was he was really really good in the second half. Pushing he had the 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 one play in particular, although there were several that he made that were outside. Cooper, yeah. <laughs> Cooper rim running that pass and that catch. I'll tell you something for a team that the two centers that are playing the majority of the minutes and have for most of the year are good athletes for fives. They both are. Mm -hmm. And Michigan State has gotten so little out of that this year, out of rim running. And and some of it is that I would say um, part of the problem can be when your guards are not chipping in enough on the defensive boards, your center's don't have the ability to get out and do that the way you'd like. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. It's sure. not It's not that I don't think it's that Mahdi and Carson are being lazy. I just think that the way things have evolved for them as a defensive rebounding team, it hasn't allowed for that. But it was really nice to see, and it was nice to see Carson make a tough catch. It was not an easy play. <laughs> AJ made a great pass, but it was, it was, a, it was a tight window. It was kind of like, some of oh, these throws yeah. that Jared Goff makes where, you know, you, you say, boy, that's a tight window this guy's throwing in. But then you realize, yeah, but that guy's got an arm and touch that he can make that play. So it's not it's not yeah. as risky as it might be for another quarterback. Well, sort of the same thing there. It was a tight window. But A.J. delivered it right where Carson could catch it, and he made the play went up, finished it, drew the foul, converted the free throw. It was really nice to see because we've just seen less of it than I would like. Let's put it that I'm sure less of it than Tom Izzo would like. Um, But, yeah, MSU's transition game, especially in the second half, was really, really good. And, again, that was something I think we felt like this is a bad defensive team at Michigan. It's an undisciplined defensive team. And when you're facing teams like that, you should be able to create opportunities run. Now, just imagine this. 
Just imagine what it would have looked like in that area of the game if Michigan State had de- defensively rebounded worth a damn. They did yeah. all that, giving up whatever it was, a 48% offensive rebounding rate. <laughs> Just insane. To and a, they, an average offensive rebounding the, team. Definitely yeah. the strips, the steals played a part in that for sure as to how they were still able to generate transition opportunities. Uh, but boy, yeah. it could have been even better. Yeah, they've now been out rebounded by seven of the their in seven of their ten Big Ten games. That's a or that's uh, just by absolute numbers. You're, ta- you're talking you're talking <laughs> raw numbers or percentages? Mm-hmm. Just raw yeah, numbers. That's, yeah, that's not good. That's not good. And this this was arguably the worst. I it's got to be the highest percentage in a Big Ten game. I can't imagine anybody's broken. Well, 50. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin was pretty close to that, right, but it wasn't right. probably quite forty eight. Right. It was pretty. It was in the forties yeah, somewhere. It was. So you're right. You're right about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's back to back, not good. So other things, I mean, aside from Cooper, the, the mysterious thing about Carson Cooper, he makes that amazing catch in that rim run, and then Kohler tosses him the ball from yeah. like a foot and a half away, and it goes through his hands. Well, then, no, that didn't like go. Just... Through, that didn't go through his hands. That was actually deflected off him. Okay, yeah, all right. Was, the 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 unfortunate thing about that is, I mean, an unselfish play by Jackson Kohler. Jackson Kohler had the shot. He should have gone up for the shot. Yeah, yeah, he should have. He should have yeah, gone up for, for the sure. shot. That was on him, in my opinion. So let's talk about Jackson a little bit, because yeah. I was turning to my wife, and I'm like, you know, I'm watching him out there, and I'm thinking to myself, he is uh, better instinctively rebounding than Sissoko. Like, Sissoko has the athleticism, his ability to get to the balls, but I feel like it's a little bit like we were talking about Julius Marble a couple years ago, a guy who's has all the tools yep. and everything there, except for whatever reason, he seems to just have to watch a, a beat longer than everybody else to where the ball's going. Kohler, I don't know, maybe he's played basketball since he's three or whatever. Yep. You know, just he just kind of knows where it's going to be. This kind of reminds me of like Thomas Kithier yep. was this way a couple That's years ago. That's a good ago. comparison. And, and, uh, and, and I think when you compare him to Madi and Cooper – Jackson looked much more comfortable defensively out there moving. I mean, I thought he was fine. I didn't see huge breakdowns. Yep. He may not set screens as well, but he gives you something offensively. I mean, I'm going to call it now. I think he's going to be starting by the end of the year, and I think Sissoko is going to come off the oh. bench at some point. I, I, that's just my hunch. We'll see. I could be wrong, but he. I think he's going to bring more to that to that position than the other two at this point. I would. I would say this. Um, I think there's a possibility it depends uh it depends how uh, the strides that jackson continues to make from here and it also depends let's let's be honest um it's entirely i think less so with Madi, but with carson cooper carson cooper can play better than he's been playing i thought he was i thought he was pretty good today I really did. I thought he played yeah, he a good was overall game today. Did a lot of good things. Um, he could find another another level. And defensively, there's no question his potential is better than Jackson's. Uh, on the rebounding sure. thing, I, look, Mahdi's a better rebounder than Julius Marble ever thought of being. So, oh, well, but, For sure. But I yeah, no question. You, and I think you're right. And you know, There were people last year, I remember there was this discussion that some joker was trying to claim jackson kohler is the worst <laughs> rebounder michigan state had ever had it was like i looked at the numbers his rebound rates per minute on the floor it's like no actually he's not 
he's not bad. And I agree with you about his instincts. Now, you know, sometimes a guy, um, that's not enough because a guy can just be out physical by an opponent. You For know? sure. But yeah. it sure as hell helps if you have an, an intuitive sense of where the ball's likely to go and you can get yourself there. And I agree with you about Jackson. I think that particularly as an offensive rebounder, you know, he had two offensive rebounds on one possession tonight. And I, yeah. I felt that way last year that he has a knack for offensive rebounding that nobody else on the roster had last year or this year. So, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I do think there are other gears he has to go. I also think that he seems to be holding up okay defensively. You know, he played 10 minutes in this game. I don't really remember him getting his ass kicked by anybody. Yeah, I mean, there's some like, you know, one-on-one underneath the best, but, but I don't, I don't guy know backs who, him down. But I don't know who but, scored on him. Did Reed get a bucket on him? No, I feel like it was... Uh, Camwa? Who was it? Yeah, Camwa, I think. Yeah, but it was probably one. Yeah. If that, Jackson played 10 minutes. Yeah, I think it's just so one they bucket. So yeah. they It's not like we'd see sometimes last year where an opponent would see him come in the game and say, all right, post-ISOs and just, boom, steady, right. steady diet of it. Or try to get him out away from the basket, trying to handle pick and roll. I actually thought he, he showed okay in that phase of the game, too. Yeah, so no, I agree. Yeah. There's yeah, there's there's room there's room for growth and he could play a bigger role as we go. I, I think this might be the most minutes he's played thus far. I'd have to go check if yeah. it was more than the Wisconsin game, but ten minutes is you know, he's hitting double digits, so that's a step forward. And then I think the other one to talk about is Booker. Yeah. So he had two turns, one in the first half, one in the second half. His I feel like his first half turn was the first time we saw him really compete yeah like he was going after yep. rebounds he and you saw that at the other end then he, he started playing better offensively and he had an energy level which he hasn't shown all season yep. so i was really impressed that his second half turn was kind of like you've seen it earlier this this season but we at least now have tape well and, and <laughs> so here's the other here's the there. other thing i thought he showed well defensively in that stretch too in the first half it wasn't, yeah, for it wasn't sure. just you know mm-hmm. look he banked in a three you can't you can't do somersaults over that. And then, <laughs> you know, uh, the other thing with Xavier Booker is, for better or for worse, when he's on the floor, if he's got even half a window from three, he's going to let the shot fly. <laughs> That's what we've seen, which is yeah. not a great thing. He shows, thus far, he has shown no shot selection at all. He will put it up the moment, and he's hitting enough of them that it gets people excited. But... I, I I know what's to it's that he doesn't get a lot of minutes, so when he's out there, he feels like he he needs to do something, and that's what he does best offensively. Right. Exactly. That kind of shot selection next year, assuming he's here and he's playing a much bigger role, will be a problem, and I suspect it's going to change. But um, mm-hmm. but enough of the negative. I think that there were there were some some nice positives for him in this game, and and I agree. His turn in the first half was pretty good. Well, let's move on, well, I guess. I want we'll to talk, about, talk the... about Cohen Carr. Oh. Um, okay. You know, he had he had two great plays and then one that shows yes. why he's not playing more minutes than he is right now. I'll tell you what they were. <laughs> yeah. So two great plays were he made a great weak side help block of uh, Camois. And as they said yeah. on the broadcast, Robbie Hummel 
I, I'm not going to argue with him about this. He said 99% of the time that play is a dunk for Cam Watkins. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was not just coming down the lane looking to lay it in. He was going and taking oh, the was rim be, down. Yeah. <laughs> and as he put it, he said, Cohen Carr is that 1% who can actually make that play. And those guys just aren't around very often, but he's one. It was a great defensive play, mm -hmm. great instincts. And that's something we know because we've seen him do it. He does well. I thought the basket that he scored was really impressive, and we've seen him do that a couple of other times this year, but not with any regularity. Most of his scoring is obviously coming off lobs, you know, in transition. Right. They get him, they get him loose on a screen on the baseline, and he gets a lob for a dunk. That's most of his scoring. But on a couple of occasions, we've seen him go off the dribble and kind of power his way to the hoop. He did that again here. The, the thing about that is I think that's a weapon for him because his explosion athletically and his length really means he only has to get his body maybe <laughs> right. about eight feet <laughs> right. away from the rim. He doesn't have to get all yeah. the way to the rim. He can finish from there with his explosion and, and his wingspan. And it was a nice physical play. Those are the great things. Now, I will tell you what the problem was that showed up in this game. There was a stretch in the second half where he was playing on the wing. And that's been a lot of his minutes this year have been as a three, not a four. And he got, he must have gotten switched onto Llewellyn. And Llewellyn just kind of sized him up. Didn't even really try to go past him, but just had enough space that he could just rise up and stick a three in his face. And and that, to me, yep. is the problem. And it's why, until that changes, you're going to find it hard to get him more minutes than he's getting right now. He has potential to be a very, very good defensive player, I think. But he is not ready to guard perimeter shooters. Guard perimeter shooters. Big men, I think he's got a better yeah. chance because big men don't have as much of a threat of going by him. So he can, mm -hmm. he can play up a little more aggressively. But we've seen this before from him, and tonight was another example of it. If he can't, if he can't manage to contest better than he did on that play, I don't know how many minutes you can play him at that spot. Because eventually, the way you know Michigan State's principles, Michigan State is a team that switches. So if you're out there for enough possession, sooner or later, even if we've got you on their three-man, who maybe isn't a great perimeter shooter, sooner or later, you're going to be in a situation where you're guarding their two or their point guard, who might be better shooters. Right. And and that's that's where I think the problem lies. Now, on a on a hopeful note. They know if I could see that, damn well though <laughs> they know that. Michigan State staff yeah. knows that, and so that is an area where I think between now and the end of the season, that's that's an area where I think it's possible that Cohen could make strides because he has all the physical tools you need for it, and he's got the want to. It's about recognition and it's about technique. It's making sure that you're not, if you looked at that possession, I'd encourage anybody who wants to know more about what I'm talking about. Watch that possession. He's 
he's maybe, I don't even know if it's a full step. He's maybe a half step too deep for Llewellyn. Because mm -hmm. again, you got to know your personnel. Llewellyn's shooting like 50% right. from three. He's been killing it. Not not heavy volume yet because he hasn't played that much. But he's been at it and he didn't do himself any damage tonight with the way he shot from three. <laughs> so yeah. you have to know, all right, that's, you know, if it's Namari Burnett, all right, you know, he's an okay shooter. But, you know, Terrence Williams is okay this year. Llewellyn, you can't do that. And and Llewellyn's not his primary responsibility. So how dialed into him he was in the scouting report, I don't know. But, in a, you know, think about that kind of possession if it's a five-point game in the second half and you're trying to hold them off and you just let that guy stick a, stick a very casual, very comfortable three in your face. You can't have that. So mm -hmm. something to watch for to see if Cohen can make progress there and prove to be more readily and consistently playable defensively at that spot. The four, I have fewer concerns, but the three, it's a problem. All right, so then we'll move on to our Misha State player that they needed to keep in the gutter. And then uh, brought to you by the Brothers Just Through Gutters. Uh, they have franchises in the Grand Rapids area and the Metro Detroit area. If you need your gutters worked on, repaired, cleaned, replaced, whatever it might be, whether it's your house or your business, the Brothers Just Through Gutters are the ones you should contact. They are, they are specialists in just doing gutters. And of course, we deal with plenty of rain. Well, today more fog than rain, but we had rain today, melting snow, all sorts of problems. If you don't have good gutters on your house, it will cause water pooling, getting into your basement, into your house, whatever. It's always a problem. So you want to make sure you have the right people doing it. They go out in just about any weather. So even right now, they're out there on the job. So you can find ways to contact them at the final four, it's not on the schedule.com slash support. There you can find a way to get an estimate from either uh, Greg in the east side or Kurt on the west side. Uh, you get 10% off, you mentioned, Final Four when getting your estimate. And so the player that Michelle had to keep in the gutter was Olivier uh, Camua, I guess Cam that's Camua. how to pronounce Camua. Camua, sorry, yeah, Camua. Uh, he was uh, had nine points, was 4-10 from the field, 0 for 1 from 3, split a pair of free throws, seven rebounds, three assists, two turnovers uh, in 28 minutes. So I think... I think we could safely say that they definitely kept him in the gutter because he was the leading scorer for Michigan coming in averaging 16.3 points a game. He had his rebounding average of seven, but I think they did a good job they, on they him. They did. They absolutely did. And, you know, the first half, it was funny. He sat quite a while because he got two fouls very quickly. But then they brought him back, yeah. and it was a real risk. And they got away with it. He didn't get a third foul, and he gave them some scoring punch. He ended up, I think he had six points in the first half. So the second half, we really played without fouls impacting things very much. Uh, he only scored three points in the half. And Malik Hall had, so he had nine and seven, but very inefficient, four for 10. Malik Hall, six yeah. for eight from the floor for 12 points and three rebounds. I, I, I give the win there to Malik Hall. Now Malik wasn't the only guy who guarded him. I thought Michigan State Threw some good doubles at both he and Terrace Reed. Um, and also some dig downs from the guards as well. They really did, especially in the second half, they did a very good job of containing Michigan's, Michigan's interior players. Um, and obviously, as we talked about, other guys 
uh, got their turns on uh, Cam Wah as well. But I give a lot of credit to Malik. I thought Malik Call just continued his very, very strong, consistent play that we've seen really now for whatever it is, seven games, eight games in a row. I guess it's eight games because <laughs> yeah, it's every well. game. It's every game since Big Ten play started back, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say the Northwestern game. That, that's what I show. mean. Every game around yeah, right, that. Yeah. So seven, seven yes. out of eight now in double digits. And I think it's, what, five or six in a row? Um, and this was a really, this was a really, really good showing because I thought in the second half, he was a big part of that opening flurry. It was, yeah, it was Jade Nakins hitting some threes and Michigan State forcing some turnovers, but Malik was in the middle of that too. And I just thought he played a really, really good game. And look, Kemwa, Michigan's having a bad year, you know, and Kemwa has not <laughs> been the defender and it hasn't been that I think he was reputed to be individually. And I don't think he's been able to kind of rally the troops collectively the way a lot of people, including myself, thought he might. But offensively, he's had a hell of a year. And Michigan State right. really held him down. Right. He was, they, they'd love to, and they finally got yeah. somebody in the gutter again. Uh, move on to the uh, squeegee squad of Grand Rapids brings to you the Michigan State player who cleans the glass the best. <laughs> and so this is one of those games where no one really cleaned the glass well. Although I guess you could say AJ Hogard had four rebounds. Yep. He tied Madi Sissoko with four. Uh, Hall had three. Kohler had three. Akins had three. Um, the team had three. <laughs> so I guess, you know, I had Sissoko. And so I guess I kind of win. But I feel like it's. I think that's it almost I feels think like that's a half a half. Three. Let's give you a half. Yeah. So I guess I'll take a half. So I'll, I'm down four, four, uh, three four to three and yeah. a half now because. That's uh, fair. Uh, it was not. It was not a great showing by anyone on the. No. We should say the rebounding. We, well, I mean, we, we can talk about this in the keys of the game yeah. as well. But uh, just really, there's so many instances of. I mean, they're they're always they're always offensive rebounds you're going to give up in a game that are just strange circumstances, strange bounces that you have no. Just you know, it happens. Right. But there are a, just a number of times that you just watching it, just like someone go get it, or why is no one trying to rebound? I. It's very. Very frustrating, especially talk to when we were talking to Coach Garland. He's like, just send every, you know, you, you send everybody, and yet it it doesn't seem to be happening. Or no, I don't know. Well, it's inexplicable, it, it, and it doesn't seem to, it seems to be getting Izzo, worse. Izzo mentioned in his pregame press conference that part of the issue, a big part of the issue in his mind, and I completely agree, is that the guards are not Michigan State has has been able to pride itself over the years on being responsible as a rebounding team and yet still being able to run. And their guards have been leaking out too much this year. They're not staying in it to make sure that a rebound gets secured. Now, it's not all them, but I'm telling you, I've been beating this drum for a while now. <laughs> the What separates good rebounding teams at Michigan State from groups like this one, you start the analysis with the guards. That is what separates them. When you've got good guard rebounding, you're going to have a good rebounding team. When you don't, you, you're probably going to struggle. And Michigan State does not have good guard rebounding right now. Now, in this game, you can say, well, hey, A.J. got four. Jaden had three. 
Um, not good enough. Not good enough. And I yeah. do think this was a game, I'll, I'll be fair and say that I also think this was a game where Michigan State's interior guys were not great either. We talked about Jackson yes, losing one. I think one. that's true. They, they let Michigan, you know, manage to bat the ball back out a couple of times. That's effort. That's mm-hmm. effort stuff. Yeah. Um, disappointing all the way around. That was a uh, poor performance. But the nice thing is, if you want good performance, you can contact the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids. They will take care of your home, your business, give you a high rise. Heck, they even clean the capital, the state capital. So they're... They're the ones you can count on to make sure you have nice, clean windows. They can power wash your house. They can do the inside of the windows, the windowsills, the screens, which is one of the things that you never usually think of cleaning yourself, but the screens are really important to have them clean because you can makes a big difference in how well you can see out the house, out the window. So uh, they came and did my house. They did fantastic work. They have a great price. They were meticulous and the super friendly, great, great guys. And so it was a great experience having the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids come out. So I'd highly recommend them for anybody who's thinking about doing the windows because you know what? It's more fun having someone else do it than you do it. <laughs> you get, and you get 15% off. You mentioned rebound in uh, when you get your estimate. You can find the contact information for the Squeegee Squad. If you go to our support page, that's tiffnots.com slash support. And just look, go down to the Squeegee Squad and hit the estimate and you can get connected right to them and they'll come. They'll get back to you really quick and do, again, very professional. Uh, so finally, let's go through the five keys of the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. And I did not find out who won the contest. So I will have to get, we'll have to wait until the Maryland pregame before you can find out. But Rod, so the question was in March 4, 2000, Mateen Cleaves gets 20 assists in a game, breaking the Big Ten and Michigan State record for single game assists in a 114 to 61 victory, 63 victory. Uh, Which team did Michigan State beat on that day? Yeah, it was the same team they beat tonight but in even more of a laugher <laughs> and Mateen Cleves was courtside of course to see this one uh that was a really really remarkable performance and the thing that I remember most about it and I'd, I'd have to go back to check the stats um in fact as we're talking I'm going to quickly do that um the thing that I remember most about it is so many of his assists came uh, on threes. Um, yes. And well, the 114 points, you had to yeah, hit a bunch of threes, and, right? To get that. And I seem to remember yeah. Charlie Bell having, who was not necessarily a knockdown three point shooter. Um, I, I seem to remember him having a, uh, a very, very big game. And I'm coming up, I'm kind of stalling. You can probably tell. Um, as, um, as I'm looking at this, I'm trying to see if I can get to a box score and I'm, yeah, I'm not coming, I'm not coming up with one. While you're looking for that box score, let me just tell you a little bit more about nudge printing. So nudge printing is, uh, our store is open for the logo apparel. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, nudge printing has a uh, vintage and fully licensed to Michigan state apparel. So you can get just the classic Michigan state stuff. You can get the vintage stuff. Uh, you can get all kinds of different shirts and zips and pullovers and hoodies on our logo store you can get that as well so you can get tiff knots stuff which look really sweet and so i'd highly recommend you go get that that store is only open until february 5th you can find that again at our support page and you can get put in your order and then they'll 
ship it out. If you want to do that yourself with something else, like maybe you're a function in your business or you have a fundraiser for your school, you can go to fabricatedcustoms.com. And that's Gabe and Brittany's store where they actually do all the back-end stuff, all the stuff that Rod loves to do, but is having yeah. to give up, going to the post office, shipping stuff, uh, getting all those orders put together. Uh, they'll actually do all that for you. And so you can just have people go on, they log on, they select what they want, and they'll get it all shipped to them. They take care of the payments, all that stuff. And so if you want to do a fundraiser or something for your school, you can say, hey, we're going to add $5 or $10 to every shirt or whatever it might be, whatever you want to do. And they'll just they'll set up it the way you want. And then whatever... Uh, is above the cost they send you the check and it makes it real easy for a fundraiser or something like that so anyway that's a great way to do stuff we did that with our school and it was they're super easy they actually made it designed a logo which is really cool too so uh again that's at nudgeprinting.com or fabricatedcustoms.com they you get to get anything you want and nudge actually just added indiana university onto their schools so they have other schools too um, most of the schools in michigan outside of the university of michigan so if you didn't come to the box oh i did oh i did so Char- I was okay. right. Charlie <laughs> Bell was four for six from three. A.J. Granger was four for four. Jason Richardson, three for five. Michigan State is a team, 16 for 32 from three. And a lot that of them. easy to get the assists. Yeah, you know what's shocking? <laughs> Morris Peterson was only one for seven. And he was, th- and he <laughs> was three for 15 from the floor on a day where Michigan State puts up. I, I don't think many people would remember that. Well, they put up um, no, I would whatever it was, one hundred hundred fourteen wow. points. So, yeah, it was yeah. that. That was my vivid memory <laughs> of it was Mateen, and I do remember Granger hitting a bunch as well. I didn't remember Jason Richardson going three for five, but I do remember Charlie Bell because Charlie was by that point in his career, he was a junior that year. He was a respectable shooter, but he wasn't a knockdown guy. So for him to have a day where he went four for six kind of stood out. Um, but yeah, tr- just a an insane game um, from uh, from Michigan State's perspective. It was it was sort of the exclamation point on a regular season that was very much a roller coaster ride because you know there was all the hype with mm-hmm. a team coming back from a Final Four, returning a lot, although not everybody, and yet adding. Uh, two really, really important players in Jason Richardson and Ali Gagne, who were both freshmen. And then Cleves was out for a good portion of the non-conference, I think maybe the entirety of it. And MSU took their lumps. They had some big wins, but they also had several losses. And you just had to wonder, okay, how long is it going to take Cleves to get acclimated again? Um you know, the Big Ten was extremely competitive that year. You know, it had another Final Four team in Wisconsin. Um, Purdue right. was an Elite Eight team that year. You had um, a building young team kind of starting to come on in Illinois uh, with Frank Williams and, and Marcus Griffin and those guys, uh, Sergio McClain. Um, you know, Indiana was still a very competitive team, even if they weren't at their peak. Ohio State was had been a Final Four team the year before and were absolutely loaded. Um, so this was a it was no done deal that Michigan State was going to be able to reach expectations, and they fought their way through it. And by the end of the year, we're obviously playing extremely well. And that day was just the ultimate um, punctuation mark. I it's. It was probably the most enjoyable Michigan game 
I've ever seen from from beginning oh, to yeah. end, which you know is obvious. You win by that much, but but I will <laughs> yeah. say it's not the one I can think of a lot of them over the years that felt better than that because Michigan had much more competitive teams. It's kind of like this game, a much more extreme version of what this game was like. We know yeah. Michigan is a is a team that's really going through it. And to top everything off, they're playing without their only point guard, who happens to be probably the best player on their team as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, this this was one. That, I mean, they all they're all great to get over Michigan. There's never a bad win or a mediocre win even over Michigan. But this isn't one that's going to go in the memory banks, other than the fact that it was Izzo seven hundred. I think that's really the only thing that stands right. out about it. Um, and that's largely because Michigan's just not very good. Um, yeah. You know, we've been fortunate that the last 25 years, 26 years, whatever it is, that Michigan State has always been at least a solid team in this rivalry. They haven't all been great every mm-hmm. single year, but they've been a tournament team, right? Michigan, there's been much, yeah. much, much more variance. So... When I think of the the Michigan games that have really meant something and, and you felt, you know, you didn't, they were just important. Um, I think of some games in the Beeline era. I can think about that game in, uh, was it 2013, where Michigan had a ton of hype around them. Everybody was talking <laughs> about Michigan and Indiana and had kind of forgotten Michigan State a little bit. And Michigan State jumped them. And I, I don't think Breslin's ever been better than it was that day and just ripped them up. You could think about the the three-game sweep that they had, one of which was played at the Breslin in 2019 and route to a Final Four. I thought that was a yep. great win. You know, the Kayla Lucas hitting a, hitting a jumper with seconds to play to beat them at Chrysler. I mean, there's lots of those kind of games. Scott Skiles, I can't ever forget. That's probably the best. Absolutely torching, <laughs> absolutely torching Antoine Jobert. So Steve Smith and company winning in 1990, where it felt like you were you were finally getting past um, this albatross, you know, um, getting the albatross from around your neck that Michigan had been for about three or four years running at that point and route to a Big Ten title. All those kind of things, you know, those are the ones that you really remember. The the laughers aren't. They're fun in the moment, but they're not as memorable ultimately, in my opinion. But yeah. except for the game we're talking about, because yeah, uh, right, yeah. it was so extreme. Well, uh, your memory is truly amazing. I'm always stunned by it. I can barely remember what I had for dinner, much less <laughs> what happened in 2013. Uh, so let's talk about the five keys of the game brought to you by, again, by Nudge Printing. Uh, number one, guarding the arc. <laughs> well... Uh, not great, I no. guess, is probably the quick way to say it. I mean, it, Michigan ended up shooting 40%, which is about their average. Uh, they were, But they were really good from the, in the first half. They were 50... Oh, actually, the first half, yeah, they were 55.6%. Yeah. They ended 40% because they were 27 in the second half. Right. Uh, definitely a tale of two halves. I thought the first half, yeah, there was a bad... You know, the, the, the read three was a joke. Yeah. Um, but... Hit the grenade, yeah. But most of them, but most of them were just, as I said, Michigan State just let Michigan be way too comfortable. I thought, you know, some of the threes Llewellyn got, 
You're not getting over the top. You just you're late recognizing him. It just wasn't it wasn't the way you got to defend. And we talked about it. This is it. Michigan doesn't do that much well this year. That's one thing they do well. They shoot well generally, and and they shoot well from three. And so you can't you can't let them be that comfortable. If you're going to make them look, if they had made a bunch of Terrace Reed type shots, okay. But it wasn't that way. That was one. And then the others, they were four for eight. And I thought Michigan State just didn't do the job. Second half, three for 11, far better in terms yeah. of the way they guarded those. You know, I mentioned the the one possession that Llewellyn took advantage of Cohen Carr. That was an exception. The rest of those possessions, I thought Michigan State did much, much better. So, um yeah, overall, you're not happy giving up 40%, but I can live with the second-half performance pretty well. Yeah, I was really impressed with Jalen Llewellyn. I mean, he was really he was really good from uh, from behind the arc. Look, it's a thing he does, and he's been doing yeah. it this year. He's been doing it very well. The disappointing thing to me is I, I think for as much as Michigan State I think especially in the second half, you know, look, he had one assist to four turnovers. All four turnovers in the second half. But I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling you, man, if Mich- it, the opportunity was there, if you really got into him, you could have doubled that number. He is so obviously not a point guard. He's just not. He's a good yeah. shooter. That's what he is this year. Mm-hmm. He's a capable yeah. no, shooter. But he can't do anything else. And I thought Michigan State could have done even more potentially. To really it certainly just... didn't feel like he was going to get by anybody. Like I think he did right. it that. First, I think he got the foul early. That was like the first point they had a free throw. He split a pair of free throws, but he really never. I mean, I think he just do it. He would just kind of fake them out that he was going to drive, and then he just pull up and shoot a three. So, uh, and then Burnhead boy, he really did not ever want to have the ball. <laughs> he was trying no. to get rid of it as soon as he got he, it. They, I'm so, telling you now, it's going to be a different story in Ann Arbor because presumably yeah. they'll have McDaniel back. Um, yeah. But this game, man, it, it's the one thing he does, and and they just let him do it too easily. Yeah. For too much of this game. Speaking of Llewellyn and guarding, uh, live ball turnovers was the second key to the game. Michigan State had a number of steals. Yeah. And so that 11. was obvious, obviously, yeah, <laughs> 11 steals in a game, which I, I don't, I guess we'd have to look back, but it sure feels like this team is a a high steal percentage team compared to most Michigan State teams. Or I, I by, Mich- by Michigan State standards, I think. Yeah, that by that's Michigan State true. standards, yeah. Um, they're not, if, if you look at them, um, compared to the rest of the country, obviously they're not because it's it's just not a point of emphasis uh, for Tom Izzo. But I will tell you, I do think this team does a far better job in that regard than many of its predecessors. Mm-hmm. And I'm call I'm trying to call up Michigan State. There we go. So. You know what? They're 92nd in steal percentage. So hmm, I would have put be that, better than that to put well, but I want to put that into perspective. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 92nd. Or put that into perspective. You know what they were last year? 333rd. The year before <laughs> Out of that, 362. <laughs> the year before that, 252. Mm-hmm. The year before that, 331. 
The okay. year before that, so now we're down to Cassius Winston senior year, two ninety seven. The year before that, two eighty two. You get the point. So, so, so we're not imagining that it definitely feels different. Absolutely, it is. It is very much a defensive corollary, in some ways, to um, the way that Michigan State as a turnover team on offense. There, here's one for you. I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna wait because I know this comes up uh, a little later. We can talk okay. about it. Uh, but let's just say this team is rewriting the Tom Izzo era record books in regards to taking care of the ball. But that's that's my point, is that we're seeing them do some things. They're not, like, jaw-dropping by a national standard, but considering the way Mich- especially considering the way Michigan State plays defense, they're not designed to be a team that generates a lot of turnovers. You know, but they're doing it and they're doing it oftentimes via the steal. In fact, I can tell you. So they sit 93rd nationally in turnover percentage, which also is it blows out of the water. Most is a most any is a team you can think of. Mm-hmm. But non steal turnovers, so traveling calls. Uh, where a team throws the ball out of bounds, offensive, uh, offensive shot clock uh, violation, shot yeah, clock right. violation um, offensive fouls, all that stuff. They're only number 159, so they're thoroughly mediocre in that regard. It's the steals, it's the live ball stuff that's keeping them a top 100 turnover percentage defense overall. So it's, it's definitely a feature of this team. If you watch them at all this season, you know exactly what we're talking about. I, my favorite one, while we're talking about this, the play, the game was already decided, but it was oh. just so brilliant. Four on one against Trey. Okay, Holloway. it was. I he was asked my wife, steal. was that a four and one or is it a three four, and one? <laughs> four on one. And Trey <laughs> Holloman played them like a fiddle. Just sat back, sat back watched him it was Llewellyn who made the pass mm-hmm. and r- must have read him perfectly and s- took it away that was unbelievable if you're a Michigan <laughs> fan you'd be losing your mind over that uh but Trey Holloman baited him that's what he did and uh and made that play uh but it was yeah it was a uh, Michigan State's guards are very very good as we talked about in the preview if at um help side strips where it's not yes. the primary defender. They'll get some of that. You know, we've seen Trey do it, obviously, most notably to win that game against Maryland, even though it didn't register as a steal. It, it essentially was. Yeah, um, yeah. They'll get some of those, but more often than not, I think, are those those plays where an opposing player is looking to drive and not his defender, but the help side defender kind of reaches in and picks it off. And those are great plays too, because oftentimes they immediately get you into transition. Yeah. Tyson had one. And I think that kind of yeah. got him going in the second half Absol- where he just well, kind of took it away and went down to get a layup. That was a great play. That was a little different than what I'm talking about though, because that was one yeah. where Michigan got an offensive rebound and he just didn't quit on it and came from behind whomever it was. I want to say it was Cabois, uh, but it was somebody who had just gotten an offensive rebound, and Tyson just didn't quit on the play, came from behind him, stripped him, went down, hit the layup, and that gave Michigan State a lead that they never surrendered. 
It was a tie game at that point. That play put MSU up two. They pushed it out. I think they pushed it out to 10 before Michigan scored again, and that was the ball game. All right, so third key to the game, which we've talked about, I don't know that we need to add much more, is defensive rebounding, miserable performance for well, Michigan State, 48% I'm offensive gonna, rebounding rate for Michigan. <laughs> I'm going to add this. They are now number 203 in defensive rebounding rate. They were number 50 <laughs> last year. The year before, we didn't think they were great. They were 123. The year before that, we didn't think they were great. They were 107. The year yeah, before that, weird. where they will uh, cash us last year, we didn't think they were great. They were 91. So yeah. this is a negative that is is really starting to become, we've talked about them as an inconsistent defensive rebounding team. We're starting to get to the point that you just got to label them a bad one. I think they I think they are, right, until they prove well, us that's wrong gotta at this point. That's got to change. Yeah. That's got to change because – if if you're going into postseason play, can they win a lot of games left on their schedule in the Big Ten defensively rebounding this way? Yeah, probably. But man, you, you can't have this. Yeah, it's it's just you're you're giving teams a lifeline, you know. And and hey, they got another tough one coming up next in Maryland. Maryland can offensive rebound. So you, you better you better bring it. And that that's the weird thing is yeah, we they probably play well against here. them. Yes. We've <laughs> noted when when they're faced with really good opponents in that area, they tended to show up. It's games like this where Michigan was uh, I gotta look. I wanna say they were ninety third or something. Oh, yeah, and now they're eighty fourth after tonight. But yeah, I think you're <laughs> yeah. right. I think they were ninety third. That's okay. It's not terrible. But that's not the kind of team that should have a 48% rate against you. No, no. So, yeah, disappointing. On the road, yeah. You're right, exactly. Disappointing, and they got to figure it out, and I'm, I'm going to keep beating the drum on this. It starts with the guard. Fourth key to the game, pace, which we say every game. I think the pace was second yes. half, excellent. First half was the sort of the stagnant half court. They got enough done to stay in the game shooting and, you know, shot well, 50%. I, I, was, was, I was mostly, I was mostly okay with it even in the first half, because as we talk about, that doesn't just mean transition play. That means right. mm -hmm. how you're running your half court. And I really, I really didn't have problems outside the first few minutes with Michigan state offensively in the first half. I thought for the bulk of that half, they were, they were okay. I mean, they, what they had, they had 33 points at halftime. That's yeah. not great. Yeah. That's not great, but it's not it's not a, a problem. It's not terrible. You know, second half, obviously they kicked it into high gear and were were even better, but I, I consider this a win. I think they and I give a lot of credit to AJ Hogart. I thought, you know, I didn't even look at in detail at AJ's stats in this one. Um just to see He was fifteen point seven fourteen for the field, oh for two for three. One for three from the line, four rebounds, seven assists, two uh, yeah. to two turnovers. That's a good game. Yeah. That's a good, That's a good and game. Some, yep. And some steals too, right? Um, uh, that, yeah, I think so. That was uh, that was a. I thought he played really, really well, and I liked I liked the um, I liked the tempo that he had them playing at, both in transition and in the half court. And I always say it's that whole thing starts with him. It has to, and I thought thought he did a nice job I, I will say too 
there was a moment early in the game where it was MSU's fourth turnover. Then they only committed two the whole rest of the way. Uh, yep. He had Carson Cooper in a pick and roll, and oh, Carson yeah. Carson didn't roll hard enough, and so the pass just went sailing out of bounds. And AJ, it was it was one of these moments where, like, all right, that's the body language, that's the stuff that can be a problem. Mm-hmm. But he got it under control. And if you look at the fact that in the second half, he had the confidence in Carson and that play we talked about where right. he just dropped that pass and that's really good to see. So uh, signs of growth from A.J. Hogar, but I really like the way he played this game. And it was in this area in particular that I really liked it. The pace that MSU played at was where they need to be. Yeah, I think a good explanation, too, of the first second half differences. 26 field goal attempts in the first half, 35 in the second half. There you go. Okay, yeah. Uh, finally, playing under control. And so I, this is the other part we're going to spend... <laughs> Yeah. You're going to mention Michigan State not getting caught up in the motions, and I never felt like they were uh, too amped up for the game. I mean, I think they they played they played their game, which is good, but they played within some intensity. Uh, so I think they were they're right where they wanted to be for that. Yeah, they. I didn't think there was ever a point that I thought, boy, they're tight, they're trying too yeah, hard. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't think that. I thought again, as we talked about, if anything, I thought that defensively they didn't bring enough in the first half, mm-hmm. but that. That got sorted out. But here's the thing. One way that can show up is with turnovers, right? With mistakes. Right. You're you're trying to do too much. You're trying to make 99th percentile plays when they're not there to be made, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, Michigan State had six assists tonight in a game or six turnovers. Six turnovers. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Six Mm -hmm. turnovers in a game that was played at a relatively fast clip, you know. What they end mm-hmm. up with? Um, how many shots from the floor? Uh, Sixty-one free field goal. Okay, attempts. so sixty is kind of your your um, demarcation point uh, for a faster or slower game, depending upon which side yeah. of that you fall. You could so, almost argue it's a little slower, just because they didn't have any field free throw attempts either. So right, you know, yeah, but um, whatever. Yeah, they are now fortieth in the country in turnover percentage. <laughs> that is a truly remarkable number that I'm not sure has been fully appreciated with this team. In fact, I'm positive it hasn't because there are, you know, the losses and all, all these other problems. But last year they finished 62nd, and I thought, boy, I may never see that again. <laughs> uh, again, you know, you can go down the list. I mean, Cassius Winston's final year. So that's an all-time point guard playing for you and a lot of veterans on that team, yeah. 116th in turnover mm-hmm. percentage. The year before that, where they go to a Final Four, 175th. I mean, yeah. you can go on and on and on, and you will find Michigan State teams, if they're in the hundreds, that's a decent year. There's a lot of years where they're in, you know, they're in the 200s. That yeah. happens. And we're talking about good teams that have been able to overcome that. Um, this team is not a great offensive rebounding team, to say the least. They're After tonight, they're sitting at number 148. Um, they're just ever so slightly above average. Their rebounding rate for the year 
is 29.8%, and the D1 average is 29.2. <laughs> so they're they're right there, you know, not great. Mm-hmm. But what's making up for it, one of the things that's making up for it is the fact that they're not turning the ball over. To be in the top 40 in that category, now, now you could say, well, then look at all the guards they have. They should be there. Okay, fair enough. I, I can agree with that, but I've seen Michigan State teams with great backcourts before that didn't come close to this. Yeah. So you got to really give these guys credit. They are playing a very clean brand of basketball, and I think it needs to be appreciated. And on a totally unrelated note, you know what else needs to be appreciated? Michigan State's up to 45th in the country in three-point shooting. They are 36. Wait, I thought they were the worst teams in the country. 36.8% from three. So essentially, they're a 37% shooting team now from deep after tonight. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Oh, <laughs> and for all the caterwauling about the offense in general, they're sitting at number 29 nationally in adjusted offensive efficiency. Top 30. What's the defensive adjusted efficiency? 20, 21. So we're That's talking a about team, a team. Pretty balanced team, yeah. In the top 30 both ways. That is generally the kind of um, consistency and balance that you are looking for in teams that have a chance to make a run. You, you, It's, it's harder if... You're an elite offensive team, but you're you're not great defensively or vice versa. Yeah. Because right. typically at some point in a tournament run, you're going to have to either have a great day offensively or you're going to have to really lock somebody down. And if you can only do one of those things, it's hard. Not impossible, but it's it's harder. It's a lot harder. So those are all, if you're looking for positive signs for a team that's 5-5 five and five in the league at the, at the turn, these are some pretty good ones that I just reeled off. It is amazing that their defensive efficiency rating is that high, considering yeah. that they are an abysmal defensive rebounding team. I it mean, really, if they were just really like is. a little above average, like a, I mean, like they're hundred and I'll tell you twentieth or something. I'll tell you what <laughs> the key is: they're they're sixty fourth in percentage given up from three, and um. I got to say, interestingly, they don't do a great job of limiting three-point attempts. So the percentage is a big positive there. They're 47th against twos, and part of that is helped by, and this might surprise some people, because I know I don't think about this as a particularly great shot-blocking team. Michigan State's had ones that leaped out at you more than this one does in yeah. that category. They're thirty. Jaren Jackson team. Yeah. They're thirty fourth in block percentage. Wow, I guess they so, had five today. That's quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and we talked about the steals being a part of this team in a way they aren't normally. Sure. So yeah. there are a lot of positives that are offsetting um, that horrible defensive rebounding number. And just imagine how good they'd be if that was at a more Michigan, even like say one hundred. Or right. ninety, yeah, no, that's I know exactly. You'd, yeah. you'd be even better. You'd be a top fifteen, maybe even a top ten defense. So yeah. there's a lot to like when you look at the profile. Um, I just I say that to just let listeners know, as Izzo said, ain't dead yet. No, yeah, yeah, and there, you know, there's screws to tighten still on this team, Absolutely. right? I mean, they're 
Absolutely. There are things that can be that can be corrected before we get into the they, time when it counts. Mostly, mostly defensive rebounding, and I would say um, my feeling is at this stage, consistent game in game out defensive execution. I mean, we talked, but we saw it tonight. Yeah. You know, right? They played one brilliant defensive half and one pretty shitty one. You can't have that. <laughs> yeah, you know. But overall, the profile looks really good. All right. Well, I think we're going to get out of here. We'll see you guys in a couple days as we do our Maryland pregame as we'll play the second game at the Breslin Center. So, again, check out our sponsors at the com slash support. And you can find all our sponsors there, links to everything. And anyway, it's a great place to hang out for a few minutes. So until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green.